0: Welcome to our Panini, this is Saratova Best. this is our the second in our series called Motivation, based on the Sikha Parsh by the Baba Rebbe. And now we're going to jump into the bare bones of the three part system that the Rebbe delineates. Um just as an intro, uh in, in our system of motivation. And it's very simple. And then we'll jump more into the Sikha. Everything in the world comes in Aleph Beis Gimel. We know Aleph Beis Gimel from Shalom Mordechai Rabashkin, right? Aleph Beis Gimel. But this is a slightly different Aleph Beis Gimel. His is a Bittachem Geula. This one's similar. Aleph Beis Gimel, or as we'll see, head, body, foot. Head, body, foot. What's the Aleph? The Aleph is the dream, the vision. Wow, you know what? Let's pick a vision. We're all going to go on a trip to around the world next year and we're going to stop in different places and, and spread light and, and, and for bring with different people and inspire women all in all the places we will, you know, a 25 stop journey. You know, we'll stop in different cities around the world until we finally come back to the U.S to New York, and literally we'll stop in, it. you know, I'm I'm going to go to London, and then Paris, and then uh, where, you know, Madrid, and and Lisbon, and et cetera, et cetera, Athens, uh, northern countries, you know, all those places, um, Brussels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and I'm going to stop. We're all going to go as a group, and we're going to stop in every city, we're going to Teach and learn and for brain and gather together and what do we say, 25 different stops until we finally a year later come back to New York. Amazing, right? That's the Aleph. That's the vision. That's the plan. And it's stunning. It's gorgeous. It's so exciting. We talk about it day and night. Then there's the base part, which is the actual doing of it. And that's less luminous because you know, all the things that happen along the way. The flight didn't arrive on time, and they forgot to order kosher meals, and, 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 and I'm hungry, and we're tired, and they, the reservation for the hotel didn't work out, and, 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 you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's getting done. It's no longer a dream. It's getting done. But it's more difficult, and that's where many of us get stuck. And then, well, this is what, then, then there's the bringing of them all together, which is the gimbal which is what we're gonna discuss over the next few days. And so the question will really be, which is better? The dreaming phase, Aleph, or the doing phase, base? And each one has an advantage. Which one is better? How do you motivate yourself to move forward? Do you just dream all day? Or do you just do stuff and just don't think and just do stuff? How do you motivate yourself? so we're going to go into that over the next few days. That's the um that's the trailer. <laughs> right? That's the little um hint at what we're going to look into. But we're going to go back now into the shekha and see what kind of hints are given to us and what kind of tools are given to us in the journey to getting to that three-part system. Okay. So Okay, so, going back to our Parsha. Going back to Parsha's Kisisa, in this Parsha, which has all of the tools for motivation in it, we're speaking about, what do we see? The details of the advantage of the first Luchos. You know, that perfect blueprint, you know, ah, the dream, the perfect blueprint, constructed by God He himself Lucas Evan Ksuben be Elohim. these luchas were written with the finger of God this is the plan this is the stunning dream that's so perfect because it's a divine godly dream and 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 um and they were Misa elokim. imagine that God himself plans your dream your mission and it's perfect and it's very lofty, and it's very exciting. And it says al on these luches, on these tablets, two tablets, which were carved by the finger of God, so to speak. There was freedom, al There was freedom. It, it doesn't. It, it means officially al They were engraved. The words of the Aseret uh, were engraved in the Luchas, but Hasidus interprets it as mean, there was freedom in those Luchas. You know when you have a divine vision, you know, a feeling of, wow, I'm going to do this, and, and I have a bracha from the Rebbe to do it, and I have Hashem behind me wanting me to do it. It's a divine plan. You feel so free. You feel so buoyant. You feel so full of life. Wow going to be amazing. There's freedom in these luchas. There's freedom. You can smell, taste, feel the freedom, the buoyancy, the expansiveness, the upbeat feeling, the joy, the optimism in these, this plan that's carved out for you by God himself. And not only that, those luchas, those tablets, uh, Sorry, uh, the second luchas, the, la, the, the, the second set of luches that were not the handiwork of God, but really from they knew more from the people, emphasizes something else. The second luches are after we, so to speak, messed up and everything went wrong. In the second luches, we have, it's also in this parsha, Psalacha Shnei Luches Avan It has some of the buoyancy of the first luches. Because Moshe was told, carve out for you, for yourself, two lochais out of stone, like the first one. Don't let go. Even when you've messed up and you now are having to do it from a less, less of a feeling of a divine guidance, more you're doing the work, with Hashem more behind the scenes, they need to incorporate and that second step or that third step after or sort of um, a mess up it needs to incorporate the same freedom, the same buoyancy, the same optimism, or even a deeper one than you had in the first originally original perfect plan. It says with a because it's still in a more concealed way, even when you're kind of more doing it on your own in a more concealed way it's still. With the buoyancy and with the direction, with the support of Hashem himself. And those details about the advantage of the first lukha'is, really, we're just going to look at where they should, where it should have been described. In Parsha's Mishpatim. Because that's where the lukha'is are described, in Parsha's Mishpatim. In our Parsha, this Parsha, kisisa, is about how we messed up. My Be'na had to break those for first luchas. So you would think that it would be mentioned, like, what were the first luchas? You know, a card by God, and they were broken. What's the main emphasis in this parasha? They were broken. What was broken? You know, the first luchas. But the emphasis is on, they were broken. We did something wrong. They were broken. So you would think in this Parsha, just they don't mention what it was that was broken. And yet, Right, and and, and and there was a whole process that happened because they were broken. So here's the question: When in this parsha we're speaking about chait ha'ego, this parsha is about the sin, the, the 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 breakage, the personal breakage that brought us, brought, that caused Meisher Beni to have to break, break those luches. Again, picturesque. Hashem himself carved these luchos and puts freedom for us and a vision and a mission into these luchos and we do this Chet Ego, we really go completely off and we cause Myshe Benu to break them. This part is about how we went off. And so the first, these luchos had to be broken and yet So here's the question. Is anything added to these first luchos that are broken now? Right? It's no longer perfect. Perfect is perfect. Where do you go from perfect? Higher. No, lower. No, higher. No, lower. No, higher. From perfect to imperfect. No. From perfect to a whole other frequency of perfect. Broken luchos have a perfection. That whole luches do not. There's a richness to broken luches that you don't have in perfect luches that were that you know were just right off the press. God did it with His handiwork. There's something about the broken luches that's in this parsha. So we understand the first luches. They're not only um, something that you need to use in order to deal to have them broken when we do the sin of the golden calf. But it's all part of one piece, one continuum. First Luchais, breaking of the Luchais, second Luchais. It's one continuum. But Rashi says there's nothing, there's no past, present and future in Tyra. So really, the whole story of the Chaita Egil, the Ego Comes before we were told to build the Mishkan, and on the 17th of Tammuz the Luchos were broken, and then on Yom Kippur Hashem forgave us, and we and we, we were given the second Luchais and then we were told to build the Mishkan. So we have one question about these details that are told to us about the first Luchos. Remember, we're talking about first first Luchas. Freedom given to you from above. A buoyant sense of life given to you from above. What about those? That's at the end of Parsha's Mishpatah. The main thing is, if there's no past, present, and future in Tyra, then there's no past, present, and future in your life. So the reason for this seder, this order, why something is where it is in Tyra, Which Parsha? We want to know. What does all of this have to do with Parsha's Kisisa? Kisisa is lifting up. Where are you lifting up when you're breaking the Luchas? What's lifting up? And by the way, at the end of the whole Parsha is a command about the three holidays, you know, Sukkot, the Shlosh, the um Sukkot, Pesach, and Shavuot. No, yeah, Sukkot, Pesach, and Shavuot. And one other question, the the question is even stronger, one question before we we get to something powerful, we know that the name of a Parsha shows on the whole Parsha, so what does Kisisa mean? What's it all about? Well, it has to do with, you know, the simple way, is a shekel, half a shekel, I am not complete without you. You are not complete without me. We are not complete without Hashem. Hashem is not complete without us. Everybody's a half. Everything is a half. Great. What does it have to do with this thing with first Luchai, second Luchai, Luchai's breaking the Luchai's half, a half. Like, what? Right? Most of the Parsha is speaking about something completely different. And not only that, the whole story of the eagle, the golden calf, that is really most of the Parsha, is speaking about something really negative. When we Messed up. Here is a piece of information, a story. There was something called the Zuma, a spiritual stench, a spiritual covering, a, a very negative spiritual covering that came onto us and to, into the world from Chet e to das. the sin of the tree of knowledge, a spiritual covering kind of that really blocked that visibility of of, of godliness. And after we received the Taira, that spiritual covering just lifted or evaporated or whatever it was. It was gone. Matz and Taira, that spiritual coating, which was around for 2,448 years, it lifted. It was gone. The Zuma, it was gone. Great, amazing. Now, that Zuma, that spiritual coating is the source of all the sins, all the things we do wrong. You know, because if you're not seeing godliness openly, you're going to, it's going to be really easy to mess up because you're not really seeing the truth, as we see in America today. Very simple. If you're corrupted by... Yeah, da, 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 we're not going to say, leave it to your imagination. It's going to be almost impossible to see the truth. And really, Hashem said, whenever... You know, whenever anybody does something wrong, a little bit of the punishment, the consequence of the, the, the sin of the golden calf is given to us. Oh, this is real negative stuff. This is really, you know, Hashem, why are you calling this Parsha Kisisa when I lift you up? Who's being lifted up over here? The bad guys? Like, who? And at the end of the Parsha, what do we see? The rays of glory, and we said we would speak about it later, about the mask on Meish Rebeinu's face. Meish Rebeinu came from communing with Hashem, and boom, you see the rays of glory on his face. How come? What? After he broke the Luchais? No, not after he broke the Luchais. But after he then went and communed with Hashem in a very powerful way all summer, etc., and then begged for our forgiveness and begged for us to be lifted up to a whole different level of depth of understanding where we were going and seeing the whole picture in a perspective that enabled us to upgrade our frequency, which we didn't have so much for the first Luchai. And so, wasn't My Benu enjoying the rays of the Shechina in the first 40 days after Mat and the level of the vision of godliness in the fir- that he had with those first luchais because they were handiwork of God, it was very high, very profound, very deep and true. Second luchais Ma'aser benu did himself, so to speak. But and the first luchais were just, you know, boom, buoyant, sin free. You know, scratch-free, out-of-the-box. Not You know sometimes you buy the floor model? You know, you go to buy a washing machine and they'll give you $200 off because it's the floor model. It works perfectly, but it's got a few scratches on it because people were looking at it. They, they put their briefcase on top of it while they were looking inside and stuff like that. So you, they give you $200 off, whereas an out-of-the-box perfect model is a different price. The second little place definitely had scratches on them. You know, with all, with all the bumps and scratches of all the mess-ups that we did. So how come with this floor model with all the scratches and all the dents and all the bumps on it and all the dents and bumps in us from having messed up, that's the moment when Karen Orpanov, Maisha Binu has the rays of Hashem's glory on his face and I guess here's the time to look at what we all learned last year about a mask. We're not going to say we're very inspired by masks anymore because it seemed much purer last year and it seems much more political this year, and so uh, it's less inspiring. But certainly in the first, at the beginning, when we understood that Maisha Abenu with this mask He had to put a mask on his face because he came down from communing with Hashem in an intimate communion. And he came down to see the people and to go out and, you know, face the world. And he wasn't, clearly, one doesn't have an intimate communion with Hashem and stay the same person. So whoever went up on the mountain never came down. It was a whole new maishra who came down. He went through a massive transformation. You can't not. The people weren't ready to see the new him, what was exuding from his face. And so he had to put on a mask. So we understand on some level, besides all the political stuff and all the scientific stuff, which we'll put to the side. But there's one piece in this whole idea of stepping into a mask reality last Purim, a year ago. And that was that clearly we were all being put through an upgrade. If we did it right, a communion with God, a communion with Hashem. And you don't want someone to watch, if nothing else, you don't want somebody else to see you in the process. In general, people will kind of, you know, they, they'll, they'll laugh you out of your, your commitment. Let's say a person says, I'm going to, I'm going to start eating healthy and lose 50 pounds. You'll always have people who say, or, you know, I'm going to become very wealthy. People say, listen, I already know you for 50 years. You just, like, you haven't been able to do it till now. You aren't going to be able to do it. Or I'm going to lose 50 pounds, whatever it is. People say, yeah, right, I'll believe it when I see it. So when you're going through, and you, you've been in this holy com- communion where you feel like, I know I'm going to step up to the next level. But you'll have enough scoffers that if they are, if they see you face to face when you're going through your process, your journey, they will try their best to discourage you. And they feel it's, it's from goodness. They don't want you to get hurt by having false expectations of whom you can become. And they'll try to bring you back down to what we will, what people will call reality. Meaning a small version of yourself. So what should you do? It's kind of like not announcing a pregnancy for the first four months. Why not? Too vulnerable. Really? You? Baby? You know, you sure you're pregnant? Whatever it is. You know, let's just cover it up. No announcement nothing, until it's already much more grounded and solid and and, and more of a tangible reality. So the the new you that's going to lose 50 pounds or the new you that's going to become a rich person or become a person who's, you know, emotionally very unburdened, when you have that deep inspiration with that, you know, communion with Hashem, now it's time to cover your face with a mask. Because people aren't going to be necessarily very supportive as if, if, if they're looking at you face-to-face. So you cover yourself up with a mask. They hardly know who you are. And when you finally take off the mask, now you're a rich man or 50 pounds thinner or pregnant or something. And they say, wow, you? I guess so. Because it's too late now. You are now the rich man or the 50 pounds thinner or the person... Giving birth to the baby, or whatever it is, when you take off the mask, you had to hide yourself during that transition. Because it was too vulnerable to let everybody see you. How do we know? Myshe Rebbeinu understood that it was, that it wasn't good for the Jewish people to see the rays of glory of Hashem's presence emanating from his face after he came out with that, from that communion with Hashem. It was not going to work for a whole lot of reasons. Probably the reasons I just cited. They, they they couldn't they couldn't handle it. Like most people can't handle your vision of whom you'd like to become. So he put on a mask. And and um, oh right, it says Karen R. Karen R. Karen R. Karen R., Karen R., Karen R., Karen R. it was Karen R. Karen R. Karanor. rays of of light Karanor. Karanor. caruna 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 corona well there we go so now we understand one of the reasons why we needed at least to start off with masks last year and that if we if we embraced the the holy potential in it we understood that we were being invited to upgrade in a very profound way. Number one, everybody was at home. So there's nobody to make fun of you because they don't see you. And they're like, you know, in the meantime, well, I'll, I'll tell you this story that I often tell. There was a fellow who went to college, like all his friends, and when they graduated, all his friends went and got jobs in corporate America, and they were doing okay. And he kind of went home and went, went to sleep for several years. You know, he, he did not look for a job. His family was just going crazy. And he would sleep most of the day and, you know, probably get up and play guitar or something like that. And they were devastated. He was just hiding himself. We understand now. He was hiding himself behind a mask. They're all moving forward, and he's all, you know, he's just hiding in his bed under his blankets for a couple of years. People were beside themselves. His mask was his blanket and his pillow, you know, hiding behind his blanket and pillow. And one day, <clears throat> little unbeknownst to us, he was thinking, while well, everybody thought he was just sleeping. And one day he kind of woke up, got out from under his blanket, and went down to the stock market and started to hang around and learn a few things. And then one day, before you knew it, people realized, this kid? just bought up half of the town in real estate or whatever, in stocks. He now owned half of the stuff. How was that possible? How did he go from everybody else? They st- slow and steady. They left university. They got a job in corporate America and were working slowly but surely, you know, working steadily. And he just... Hid behind a mask and one day just drastically came out, quickly caught up, went way beyond them, learned all about finances and conquered the field of finances to great advantage and became wealthy. He did it because he was behind a mask. And if he were to tell everybody, you know, what, I'm going to become wealthy, and they, they, It would have been difficult. They would have said, really, you, you know, don't hold yourself so high. We all have a plain job. Don't be a big shot. Get a job like everybody else and don't think you're better than anybody else and all that. So he hid behind a mask. It wasn't appropriate for the people to see his light and his plan, his vision, his Aleph. We said the Aleph, the vision of whom you're going to become and what you want to achieve. It wasn't appropriate. It was too strong. That Aleph vision becomes too strong for the world. Last year was Tafshin Pei, Purim Tafshin Pei. But Tafshin Pei was on the way to Tafshin Pei Aleph, and Tafshin Pei was 5780. From that moment, we entered the decade, starting with Tafshin Pei Aleph, the decade of the revelation of what's after Pei, Tzadik. The revelation of what a Sadik is. And the tzaddik that can be in every single person. And and 90 is also nine truths. We started last year, especially Purim, Tavshin Pei, and Rosh Hashanah Tavshin Pei. We entered the decade of moving towards truth for the entire world. You start first with a little Aleph, like a little child who learns Aleph-based. So clearly, with this huge vision, this Aleph, we said, Aleph Bay Skimmel. Aleph is the vision. Aleph is a little, little, little thing. You know, you learn Aleph Bay. It's the first little tiny letter, first little glow of light. But Aleph is also the magnificent vision that you haven't put into practice yet, but you're embracing an incredible vision. We began that, and we were, we stepped fully into that last year Purim Tuff Pei. And now we're in Tuftshin Pei Alif. In order to activate that vision, we needed to be behind a mask. And we needed to be at home, alone, creating something magnificent beyond what, what we're used to. So we're just going to say, to sum this up, that the the spiritual coding that was on us since Chet Etsadas it came off us at the moment of Matan Taira. Okay, and it, and that means that something profound happened. That coding on, that coding off, something profound happened. And through this three part system, we are enabled, we are empowered to be able to move towards our goal in a whole new way. And as we said at the end of the parsha, speaking about Karen or The, the, the rays of Hashem's presence on Maishra Bain's face. When did he get them? Not the first Luchas, the second Luchas. So, we're gonna sum up with this. We're now in what seems to be on the way to the second Luchas. We're, we're fully in Parshus Kisisa. It feels like everybody's messing up and it's a mess and everything's falling apart and It's dark and if there's a revelation of light, you know, where's the big vision and oh my goodness, everything is so concealed and it's so hard and how do we motivate ourselves to move forward? Move forward into what? Some pipe dream of gu'ula. We don't know how to move or where to move and yet in the sicha, the Rebbe, through the sicha, the Rebbe is going to take us step by step by step and we know that yes, we are all hiding behind a mask and the whole world is hiding behind a mask because the truth of Hashem Ahadushma Yochad is being concealed by some massive mask of this spiritual coating created by the world of lies and the world of craziness and all of that. There's a spiritual coating blocking everything. But all we have to do is blow all. What we want to do, I'm not going to say all, what we want to do is blow on that coating, you know, like the mist, you know, in the early morning blow on it and it melts, it disperses. Blow on that spiritual Zuma. There is that Zuma, that spiritual impure coding that's kind of blocking everything now. The media and the politics and everything. Blow on it with the with the Hashem blew into us. into every single Jew Hashem blew. The spirit of life, he he blew life force into us from his very innards into us. The rest of the world he created with his speech. He spoke the world into creation. He did not speak us into creation. He blew into us his very essence into us. And we are an expression of his very essence. We're not just another creation in the world. We are his very essence down here in the world. His powers are our powers. So if he blew that essence of life, his essence, into us and created us, then we have the ability to blow on that, you know, with that, the breath of the the the, the life force, blow on all of the concealment and the lies of the world. Like my friend Hester Katz, Chai Rachel Basmeier, Allah Shalom, she used to say, "How do you know when somebody's blushing?" I have to just mention her. She used to say. You're standing in the park, and there's a guy standing there orating to nobody in particular. And she said, and it's called bluzzing, bluzzing. So she said, how do you know if somebody is bluzzing? She got that from her parents. He's bluzzing. She said, how do you know if somebody is bluzzing? Because if some guy is standing there orating to nobody in general, and you go like this, and it fits the energy of what he's doing, you know that he's bluzzing. Right? Thank you, Hester Katz. Hi, Rachel Bassmayer. So that's it. We want to blow onto the world, onto the world of, of untruth, anything that's left, and blow on it with the truth of Tyra, the fiery truth of Tyra. And we will melt and dismantle and disperse and transform any darkness to light. And we should find ourselves through that in the Gula Mittis immediately now. Please tune in for the next few series of the step-by-step process of of motivation um, through this Sicha. Looking forward to joining with all of you.